Good morning. Welcome to another episode of the End Time Blog Podcast. I'm Elizabeth Prada. Today I am talking about uh, discernment. I'm going to deconstruct a negative comment that I received after I posted about Joyce Meyer being false. One of her defenders uh, wrote a long comment, and in it, it contained almost all the cliches that people put forth when they try to defend a false teacher. So I thought I would deconstruct it point by point as a mini discernment lesson in case you ever receive a comment like that or push back in real life. I don't mind getting pushback if the comment is one where the commenter is trying to reason with me through scripture. Sadly, that does not happen very often. People lack discernment to a greater and greater degree, I notice. If they follow a false teacher that I've written about, they do all sorts of gymnastics to defend that false teacher instead of being more interested in defending Jesus and asking me why I believe these things are so. They all seem to have a template of Bible phrases they throw into the discussion, which are out of context or used in a twisted way. So one of these comments came to me a short while ago. And as I said, I see all the tropes and cliches, the undiscerning use to rebut a thoughtful essay that contains scripture. This one came in after I republished my essay called Bullet Points on Why Joyce Meyer is a False Teacher. I did not publish the person's comment, and uh, I don't think they had a name attached to it, but even if they did, I wouldn't say. But I want to go through her comment and show why it was not reasonable, in fact, quite ignorant, biblically speaking. My purpose is so you too can spot these and rebut, or at least see why this kind of comment is not appropriate for a Christian. Right, beginning with the commenter's comment, quote, some people think they're doing good by trying to warn people by calling out preachers and pastors. That's what first how she began her comment. And you can't see it because this is audio, but she put quotes around the word good. That's why I emphasized it. And also around the phrase warn people. The quotes around the word good and warn people are called scare quotes in journalism. It's a journalistic technique that a person uses to disparage what someone has said or a way to show disdain in print. And the word trying that she used is also a snide put down. Christians should discuss things charitably and they should not be haughty. 1 Peter 1.15 says in the King James Version, but as he hath called you is holy, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation. Of course, a biblically aware Christian knows that the New Testament urges believers to be vigilant about false teachers. 
which are warned about to us in every New Testament book, except Philemon, every one. We are not only told to beware, but we're told to warn others. This isn't optional. They're commands. So yes, it is doing good by warning others. Why would someone think it's bad to warn a believer they're about to be devoured? Commenter said next, quote, but they fail to take the plank out of their own eye. Well, that, of course, you might be familiar is part of a verse taken out of context. The full passage is Matthew 7, 1 to 5, and it discusses about the way we do judge and urges us not to do it hypocritically, but to judge when we do righteously. So right away, this person made an uncharitable assumption. Among Christians, charity and grace in conversation is important. A charitable assumption would be to assume that the author, me, has already prayed and worked to take the plank out so as not to be hypocritical. Assume positive motives rather than assume less positive motives. And if the commenter is concerned about me writing hypocritically, well, private message me, ask me what steps I've taken to avoid hypocrisy. Or even better, once again, assume that I have already taken those positive steps so as not to be hypocritical. She goes on, commenter says, quote, if everyone said everything perfectly and did everything perfectly, there would have been no need for Jesus, end quote. This is a common way for people to diminish the importance of discernment. It's a trope, the nobody's perfect cliche. So we're not talking about perfection when we remark about false teachers and false doctrine. Charles Spurgeon had said that discernment isn't distinguishing between right and wrong, but right and almost right. It's very subtle. False doctrine actually kills. And talking about false teachers who bring false doctrine, they are goats. Goats have an agenda, and that agenda is to destroy you and me. Their goal is to cause divisions, create obstacles, and to deceive. Read Romans 16, 17 to 18. Their goal is to make you captive. Read Colossians 2, 8. That's more than an oopsie, I misspoke, I'm not perfect. The commenter said, continuing, quote, we are not sinners anymore. Joyce is right about that. We are saints who still commit sins, and that's the difference. To God, we are reborn and not considered sinners to God who belong to him. Well, the commenter is splitting a hair here. She's right, but, and it's a big but, Joyce Meyer has previously taught that once a person is saved, Christians flat out do not sin anymore. 
that they are sinless. Joyce has said herself she does not sin. This was a while ago. Here is her quote. I am not poor, I am not miserable, and I am not a sinner. That is a lie from the pit of hell. That is what I were, and if I still was, then Jesus died in vain. I'm going to tell you something, folks. I didn't stop sinning until I finally got it through my thick head. I wasn't a sinner anymore. And the religious world thinks that's heresy, and they want to hang you for it. But the Bible says, I am righteous, and I can't be righteous and be a sinner at the same time. End quote from Joyce Meyer saying she's not a sinner and that she doesn't sin. There's a link to that quote, and the link brings you to the written quote, and you can even hear her saying it. Well, 1 John 1.18 and Romans 7.19-20 and 24 tell us that we are saved from our past sin and declared righteous. But in her glaring omission, we still retain our sin nature until we're glorified. Thus, we still sin. That's why James 5.16 says we need to confess our sins to each other. And I'll put in a link to an essay that asks, are we sinners or saints from Got Questions? The commenter went on with her comment saying, quote, so this good-willed article to call out this woman only leads people astray and discourage. And the others who can't wait to be a part of the problem talk about others in this attack mode. Well, keywords here from the commenter that undiscerning people use are lead astray, discourage, and mainly attack. They call any discerning article an attack. What the attack actually is, is the false teacher's assault against Christ. Undiscerning people look horizontally, not vertically. She goes on, quote, not helpful. Really, playing with fire here to call someone out like this? to come to find out you were wrong and actually drive people further away from Christ? They always say that discernment drives people away from Jesus. Well, it doesn't. Acts 5.14 is just one example. After Ananias and Sapphira were killed by God for their hypocrisy and lies, quote, more than ever, unquote, believers entered the church. Really? Didn't the killing by God of two prominent believers, quote, drive people away? No. The verse says, and more than ever, believers in the Lord were added to their number, multitudes of men and women. Why is this so? Barnes Notes explains, Acts 5.14, were the more added, the effect of all these things was to increase the number of converts. The persecutions, their preaching, and the judgment of God 
all tended to impress the minds of the people and lead them to the Lord Jesus Christ. Though the judgment of God had the effect of deterring hypocrites from entering the church, and though it produced awe and caution, yet still the number of true converts was increased. And Barnes notes, quote, so this commenter is just plain wrong that discernment drives people away. Commenter continues, quote, Joyce is not God. She's capable of human error and sin like anyone else. And I believe she's admitted, admitted errors where she has recognized them. One, no one has said Joyce Meyer is God. This is a straw man fallacy alert. Two, no, Joyce has not admitted errors. How do I know? Because Joyce Meyer preaches to men. That's an activity and an office denied to women. She actively and constantly rebels against scripture. This is her error and one she has not recognized. By the way, a straw man fallacy is defined as when someone distorts or exaggerates another person's argument and then attacks the distorted version of the argument instead of genuinely engaging. And the commenter believes she has cemented her comment with this one final uh, comment. So those Pharisee out there need to take it easy. Did you notice a glaring omission from the, her entire comment? Not one scripture. And that's the key. They do not reason over scripture. Instead, they sh throw shade, disdain, and attack the person who is promoting discernment. They have to. They don't have another leg to stand on. So consider if the person commenting to me, or if you have received comments like this, if they are adhering to the following scriptures themselves. If not, aren't they the hypocrite? Consider these few verses. Keep the tongue from evil and your lips from speaking deceit. Psalm 34, 13. Colossians 4, 6 says, Your speech must always be with grace, as though seasoned with salt, so that you will know how you should respond to each person. And final verse, Ephesians 4, 49. Let no unwholesome word come out of your mouth, but if there's any good word for edification, according to the need of the moment, say that so that it will give grace to those who hear. The Bible says that we must reason together and try to win another. Consider if you've received a comment like this or read one, is the person genuinely seeking to bridge that gap in understanding? Are they trying to win a brother or a sister? And you know there are many more verses that guide us on how we should speak to one another. But most importantly, if 
you choose to engage with such a person, don't be drawn in to a devolving conversation where your witness will be blotted because of anger or ungracious speech. Ladies, if or when you discuss a false teacher online, you most probably will receive comments like the one I shared. Or in real life, if you meet with elders to discuss a false doctrine or activity in the church, you might receive pushback. Hopefully not, but listen for those cliches. Have scripture ready. Keep reasoning over scripture, even if the person online or in real life accuses you with emotional or slanderous challenges. It isn't you they're challenging, it's the Jesus in you. Matthew 5, 10 to 12. They aren't so much against you as they are for themselves. Well, this has been another episode of the End Time Blog Podcast. I'm Elizabeth Prada. Thank you for listening, and I hope you have a wonderful day.